everyone, and welcome down to episode number 30, live as it happens. So if you are listening to this in your car or in your headphones or wherever you are, and this sounds a little bit dodgy, well, you missed the live show because yeah. we didn't we're, go live to podcast, we went live to YouTube. Where were they? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so if this sounds a little bit different, uh, that's because we are going straight from Zoom audio, which can sometimes be a little bit dodgy, but I'm sure it will be fine for everyone. Um, so welcome down. Uh, it's good to see you all here. It looks like we've got quite a few people watching now, which is great. 920 uh, people watching, it says. Incredible. My name's Brendan Waits. Uh, the guy over on the other side of the uh, Zoom, which way is he? He's oh, that way. Oh, no, the other way. He's that way. Yeah. Here's Cam Blake down in Tasmania. Good evening, Cameron. Good evening, Brendon. How are you today? Yeah, big yeah, day. Well, very well, thank you. Yeah, we, um, we won't go into what you've done today because I think we crapped on about golf too much last episode. Yeah, so yeah, I play golf today, and that is all we need to know about that. Yeah. Uh, amazing a- weather down here, down south here in um, southeastern Australia. Um, we're actually. I reckon this is the best time of year for weather is mm. when you get into sort of late Feb and then um, autumnal action starts to happen. I think um, we get the best weather down in this neck of the woods uh, from now until pretty much, well, late May, really, um, generally speaking. Uh, could do with a bit more, more rain, but rain, it's not exactly that? dry out there. But it's rain. exactly right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, haven't seen much of that for a while, but no. that's all good. Um, we've got a couple of people who have already popped in and said hello, so yeah. hello to everyone. Hey, uh, and, and someone's uh, jumped the gun as well, I notice. Have they? Oh, yeah, they have. But I was, I'm going to do a quick shout-out to our Scottish listeners. Uh, we have some people over in Scotland. That's not in a Scottish accent. I'm not even going to embarrass myself trying to do an accent on this show. Don't, don't attempt the Scottish accent. No, I won't. I think I've got some Scottish blood in me. Um, not now, but originally. Um, but hello to, <laughs> hello to everyone over there. Um, I don't know if you saw, they had a massive storm come through over there. I did. And there was a, yeah. the, I don't know if you saw the thing on the, they had a uh, guy who was videoing the aeroplanes landing at Heathrow. And it was like a five hour live stream of an aeroplane. Every aeroplane came on an angle and like touching down. But he had something like 200,000 people watching him live. So we're nowhere near that on our live feed at the moment, but okay. you know, maybe we need hey. to, it's early days. If you believe, you will achieve. Um, <laughs> I would like to say happy birthday to Cameron. It was his birthday yesterday. Thank you. He turned 26 or something. Uh, yeah, we'll say 30. This is episode 30. I, 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 let's say I, changed. Yeah. I turned 30. And, and cheers to you, buddy. Cheers. Thank you. Um, if, Thank you, everyone. If you're, if you're watching and you feel like cracking a beverage of some kind, it can be of any description. You have a nice cup of tea. If you want, please comment if you are having a little beer and watching along, a little beer, a little beverage and watching along tonight. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, we're going to partake, so you can as well. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I've had a big day down here as well. I've been in the garden all day. Like you said, talking about, wow. weather, talking about the weather, the weather today down here in Hobart's been stunning. It's been about 25, 26, light breeze, sunny. Yep. Had those had those really cool wispy clouds. So there could be a good sunset going to happen outside. I wouldn't know. But um, yeah, I was in the garden today and it got me thinking a bit about, not this is one of our topics, but it got me thinking about macro photography, you know, all the different sort of leaves and little flowers and bits and pieces and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that you can easily take photos in your backyard and get some cool macro stuff and 
during um, lockdown one, sorry to bring this up, but a couple of years ago when we went into lockdown the first time around, I think macro photography really took off because yeah. uh, people quickly realized, holy crap, I can't go outside to take photos. I'm going to stay in my backyard and yeah. find yeah. some macro stuff. So, yeah. And, the, and, no, the three, and the 300 mil is just not cutting it in the backyard. I'm no, that's right. I better get the macro out. Um, so, yeah, that's, yep. that's one thing that, uh, yeah, you, you never stop looking for photos, do you? No, not at all. Not at um, all. Um, this is a live show, folks. So we have comments open. Please feel free to drop a comment. If you've got any questions whatsoever that you want to fire at a couple of uh, gnarly old landscape photographers such as ourselves, feel th free to. Um, 30, wait, 30, much... 30 years old. Yeah. Okay. So, so Mr. 30 year old, how many years experience have you had behind the lens? Uh, if I'm being honest, um, what are we? I would say about 25 years. 25 years. That's, yeah. that's impressive. So you would have got into it in, let's say, 1997. Uh, well, right? well, I reckon I was shooting. I, I did photography at high school. And so I reckon from about 1994. So what's that, like 28 years? There you go. Yeah, 28, 28 years. years. Um, and a lot, of that, a, lot, a lot of that came back from dad working for Olympus at the time. So... He always had the cameras in the car. He had these little sample kit of cameras that we used to go away and take photos of. Uh, and then my very first, uh, sorry, first or second paying job ever was being Santa's little helper, taking the photos of Santa Claus at the Heidelberg Waringal Ring, Shopping Centre, working at the Kodak Express there uh, for the owner. Rob and Lois were the owners, lovely people. But every Christmas I did the photos for Santa in the, in the shopping centre, shooting on a, a Nikon f something massive nikon and shooting film like just just chewing through film yeah um, um, but that was the first paying i think i was working at woolies at the same woolies at the same time but yeah so yeah i've been been shooting for a while um yeah and hopefully yeah, for a bit that's longer. interesting yeah, yeah. no that's that, that's interesting um me oh sure i'll tell you we i was uh, gonna say I, <laughs> how about you brendan <laughs> I kicked off, okay, so I'm, I'm going to find it hard to put a year on this, but uh, I know I was in year 10 at high school yep. when when I sort of, well, my brother, who was much older than me, was in the army. He got a trip to the US. He came back and he was coming back into the country and he bought a the Pentax K1000 that I keep banging on about. Yeah, um, which we're going to touch on later in gave, this episode as well. Yes, and he gave me that. Um, so... I don't know. I think it was the spark. It was just like, oh, okay, what's this? Looks like a a, a complicated piece of equipment. Um, mm. Looks like a real camera. Yeah. Uh, I think though, maybe even prior to that, I had sort of used mum and dad's little bloody Hanamex. Hanamex, it was too. Little yeah, point yeah. and shoot, you know, piece of junk. I took it on a couple of school camps. I've still got the photos. Actually, I've got a photo of London Bridge down at the twelve twelve. So I'm you know Port Campbell. Yeah, um, but London Bridge is intact, so it's right. before it collapsed. Before we go any further, one of the listeners or viewers has asked us if you can move a little bit to that way so we can see your picture a bit better. There we go. That's it. We we no, I refuse to because we're going to talk about our backgrounds in a minute. Cameron, please stick to the script. There is no well, whatever script I'm looking at. All right, folks, if I could share my screen and show you what script we have each week, well, it's a little bit in this one, but it's usually quite laughable. Uh, it's generally it's not, not really, really for it's not really for sharing to normalize either. Um, Sorry, whoever asked that, I will give you a, a that was, background uh, in a second. That was Kathy Cat 
uh, said, move your fat head out the way. No, no, she didn't. She said, can you oh. move Brendan out the way? Can, been, can you move Brendan out of the way? Yeah. Um, but people are drinking reds. Someone's got a Jim Bean and Coke. Good on them. Um, nice. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, as you were saying, London Bridge didn't fall down. Uh, no, anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm just giving our, our listeners an idea of uh, how long we've been at this, I suppose. Mm. And so I'm 50 next year. So, um, and <laughs> so what's year 10? 15. So 35 years. Of um of taking photos and I can still remember going to Camera House in Swan Hill where I grew up uh, up on the Murray there and dropping off a roll of film and if memory serves I'm almost certain it was seven ninety nine to have it processed sounds about right um yeah and uh the the cool thing was you go and got your film remember this you get your film processed and they would give you a free replacement roll of film yeah they just top it up for you. Back, back when people made money out of film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not anymore, though. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, so that's, yeah. Point being, uh, if you've got any questions uh, yep. for us, us gnarly old uh, landscape photographers, please fire away. Now, let's talk about our background so we can keep our listeners happy. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go first, God damn it. Do it. Go for it. How's that? that that's that's oh. great. Oh, oh, oh ee, ee. Yeah. Lucky there's no lingerie hanging around in the background. <laughs> so, you're looking at... <laughs> Port, Port Ferry Lighthouse, everyone. I'm just laughing because I saw Ash use his comment. Hilarious. <laughs> anyway, sorry. No, you don't need to look at it. It's okay. <laughs> um, Ash, you too. Love you. Um, yeah, this is Port Ferry about you know, three weeks ago. About three weeks ago to the day, as a matter mm. of fact. In yeah. fact, three weeks ago to the second, pretty much. This is about <laughs> when I shot that photo. Yeah, right. Sort of sun- so Ash, you, haven't you got a sunset to shoot, Ash? Um, <laughs> this was with the with the drone, and uh, I was wrapped with it, absolutely wrapped with this shot because it was blowing pretty hard. I um, I think I mentioned in the podcast a couple of weeks ago that I had to actually Google how much wind the Mavic Two Pro drone could stand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, before I was happy to launch it because uh, it was gusting pretty hard. Yeah. Anyway, got it up there. That photo is only from about, oh, I want to say, five metres high. So it's yeah. still quite low. But yeah. again, this is what I love about the drone. That that rock wall that leads to the lighthouse, it's a really popular shot, but everyone just stands at the end of the rock wall with their camera at eye level and takes that shot, which is yeah. fine. Yeah. I just wanted to see more of it. So by raising the angle slightly, I was able to see more. <laughs> um, that The sky in the background doesn't exist. That is using sky replacement in Photoshop. Really? Really? Oh, jeez. Now that's going to light up the comment board because I'm I'm curious. Well, Kathy Kathy Cat said I love the colours and the leading line. Well, she's just being sold down the river, hasn't she? The foreground is all me. The background is Photoshop. Um, mainly because when I shot it, it was just a clear blue sky. There was not one cloud there, so I almost didn't take any photos. But right. I really love the light on the foreground. Yeah. So, um, oh, look! It look it looks great now. Now I know it's fake. It's see, lost. this is this, is, and this is the thing, isn't it? It why? So it still looks great, right? Still but now looks that great. You know, now that you know, I put that sky in there. I didn't take that photo myself. So if someone it, if diminishes that, the quality yeah, we, of it, we're going we're, we're going to go down and open this can of worms. We haven't even got into the show yet. Oh, let's do it. Do so it. if someone came into your shop and you had this, no doubt you put it on the wall somewhere already because that's what you do. <clears> if someone came in and said, "I love that shot. I've been there a thousand times. I love the sunsets there. You know, you've captured it so well. 
would you mm-hmm. destroy them there and then on the spot and say, well, actually, that's not what the sunset looked like? Or would you take their money and let them walk out the door with your shot? Um, I would take their money uh, and let them walk out the door unless they specifically asked if that's, uh, if that's been photoshopped. And then I would tell them. Because See, that's, that's what happened. See, I, 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 I'm maybe I'm a bit different. Maybe I'm, the, I'm. I must admit, I'm not the greatest salesperson of my own work ever. But I, I, I feel like I have to be right up front and say. So if I had a sticker on this on the gallery wall where I am, I would say composite. Yeah, and I'm here to tell you as well that I probably won't be selling that photo. Uh, I was, gonna, and, I was, I was waiting for you to turn around and say that the lighthouse was some sort of clip art or something. And look, the the reason. Um, I probably wouldn't be selling that photo is because it's a manipulated image. Now, hmm. anyone who's got a decent, uh, if you've seen the high res version of it and you zoom right in on the light, the top of the lighthouse, you can see that it's right. There's a fair bit of work, fair bit of work going on there. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, I love the photo, but the sky was just awful. It was just, there was nothing. And this is the thing, right? I, I can't just scoot down to Port Ferry. It's four hours away. No, you so, can't. But isn't yeah, that so isn't I, that isn't I, that the I whole? Made is, some, I made some art. Made some job. But isn't that the, so like to me? That's the whole, the whole uh, brilliance and the whole skill of photography is getting those shots in the one go. Like because you're not only getting your settings right, you're not only working on compositions, you're not only working your camera, getting it all right, but you're also getting there and using the conditions to your absolute advantage to create artwork. Yes. I remember yes. once I I downloaded. Um, I downloaded a uh, workshop from Christian Fletcher, who's a very famous Western Australian photographer, amazing photographer. G'day if you're watching, doubt he is. But I downloaded one of his um, tutorials on Photoshop and Lightroom thinking, okay, you know, I can always learn more. You know, it was a good price sort of package. And in the first five minutes, he's saying, well, this shot, I replaced the sky from there. This shot, I replaced the sky from there. And this one over there, I actually took a, a sky from there. And I didn't watch any more of it because... That to me as a photographer, that's not how I operate. I like to be one shot, one shot only. Not taking yep. anything away from people that replace guys or do whatever they want. But it's interesting how how some people feel about it and how some other people don't feel about it. Because yeah, no, well, so, well, yeah. I I would say there's a limit. Now hmm. um, we're going to talk about your background in a second, but that image behind you has been processed in Photoshop. There's no yep. question about that, right? Yep. Uh, as has mine, it's just I went to the next level and in, inserted a sky digitally. Now, I've created an image, no yeah. question. Um, I, again, I think the foreground photo, I was really, really happy with it, but it just wasn't doing it for me. It needed a dramatic sky. And I went, oh, let's have a look and see what this sky replacement thing's all about, and it yeah. produced that, So, which I was wrapped with. So, but um, this, this, this brings it's up... Not, but just, sorry, Ash has just commented. <laughs> it's, that is not one of my photos in the background that is a stock adobe sunset. So, you so you can't sell it then well again not that i would but no. it's um ha- having said that if someone contacted me and they've seen that image because i did share it through my own personal facebook page if someone's seen that image and they said to me oh, i want to buy that image to use for tourism port ferry blah blah, blah absolutely i would sell it to them yeah. absolutely i would sell it to them because yeah, yeah. i have created that that's yeah. that's my work that is that is my work, yeah. and if a stock image is available, it's a stock image. It means anyone can use it for any purpose. So, yeah, you know, and and I and and I uh, I hear the arguments both ways. I'm in business. I, it's what I do. It's how I pay the bills. How I yeah pay for this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> our budget's so high. <laughs> it pays for the pays for the beer to drink. Um, so so the thing is then, 
if that's if you're if you've used that, so like that's the first time you've done a replacement sky. Let's see what it's all about, and it's produced yep. something that looks pretty damn good. Yeah. Like to to me, that'd be like let's go back and use golf as an analogy, right? That'd be like you saying, well, I can I can use my putter as normal, or I can get a laser pointed spirit leveler thing on my putter and get it in the hole every time. Like to yep. me, if you can if you get a result like that out of doing a replacement sky, to me that all all of a sudden says to me. Well, I don't need to really be there at the right conditions. I can just drop a sky when I need. And to me, yeah. then then you're sort of moving away from what the, the passion or the traditional passion of photography should be, in my opinion. But I'm old school. I'm 30. I'm getting older. So you are. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, but there's, I'm, there's some I'm, really good there's some really good comments too, actually. By yeah, way. I'm excited by what um, Photoshop can offer uh, in terms of offering me more, even more creativity. Because again. You know, I, I could I could post that photo. In fact, I should have. We should have been more organised. I should have shown you the original. All it is is what you're looking at there, with with no clouds in the sky. That's all. Yeah. Um, you know, but I really like being able to grab an image that was almost there, and then making some cool imagery. And and yeah, yeah you're you're exactly right. I, I, I loathe with that on the walls of my gallery as yeah. much as I love it. Yeah. Uh, and I do actually think it's quite a marketable image. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would be. It would be. It would be tough for me to. I would probably have to put a sign on it underneath it saying "composite image." Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just just so people know what they're getting. But again, you know, I don't know how many people would look at it and go, "Oh, did you replace the sky in that?" Um, it's horrible. Like that doesn't yeah, work that, like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like to me, that's. Uh, and this word's going to sound like the wrong word, but it's a bit more about integrity for me, that if people are flogging off their images that are composites without really telling the person, okay, but then again, I guess it, like it's art, people buy it for what it looks like, not necessarily how it's created. I get that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Everyone's going to have their own opinion on it and yeah. I totally get that and, yeah. and hats off to you. Whatever, you, whatever you think, that's fine. You well, be you. But I, I just think, you know, I, it's sort of become we, we, the genie's out of the bottle with Photoshop, right? Yeah, yeah, true. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it, and I'm not saying two wrongs make a right. It's just, we've already gone down the path. You know, it, it is ridiculous what Photoshop can do to an image. Yeah. And, you know, and again, any, any landscape photographer that's worth their salt uses Photoshop, mate. It just, that's what happens, yeah. you know. Or do they? Which is... Well, yes, which is a good thing because we're going to go full circle back to film soon as well. We're going to talk yeah, a bit yeah. about our film experiences in a minute as well. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, there's, some, there's, some, there's some great comments there, and then it's it's. I would say people are more on your side on this one than probably my side, yeah. which is fine. Um, it's all it's all about how you sell it, Cam. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like Susie said, that I'm such a good salesperson. She came and visited me in the gallery the other day, and I tried to sell her one of Luke's prints. Not mine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm useless. I'm useless. Well I, don't think, I, I don't think I ever earned any spivs at the camera shop when we were doing it. So no. Um, I want to talk about your background. Yeah, well, we're not. We're on the first segment, aren't we? Backgrounds. Uh, my background is a single shot landscape image of uh, the Nelson River, which comes off the Nelson Falls on the west coast of Tassie. Uh, it's just a really beautiful spot. You um you stop there on the way through to Queenstown, and it's about a. I don't know five ten minute walk into this waterfall, but the, the stream on the way out's got some really cool sort of bits. So that's uh, with a tripod, circular polarized. It's in a dark forest, so you get that longer exposure. Uh, I think it's a twenty four mil lens, 
Um, it's, taken a, it's taken a little while ago, but I always come back to this image. I like the green and the water and stuff yeah, like that. So cool. I, I felt like I needed a bit of a cooler forest look about today. So it's very Tasmania, isn't it? That photo. It is, and especially this this tree that comes out here, like all the trees with yeah. the moss growing on them. That's really Tassie, and even the what they call old man's beard. Uh, what do you call it? Moss that hangs yep. off the trees. That that's very well. It's not uniquely Tasmania, but it's very common in Tasmania. Um, but I, I do yep. like for I'm, I'm definitely a forest photographer. I like forest and I like streams and the greens and things like that. But uh, this is just literally on the track as you walk into the waterfall. So it's it's pretty cool. So uh, I got to move out the way to get a better view. There you go. That, yep. Oh yes. Oh no no now you got to get right out of the shot. How can we? Because okay. I want to see this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I do it. Hang on. No, I can't do it. Hey, can you, no, you can't turn yourself off. That's oh, fine. There you go. Now there's a yeah. really cool mossy rock right behind you. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a beautiful spot, and you know we are lucky down here. You can sort of go anywhere on the on the west coast and um, pick up shots like that. So yeah, just a bit of a, a rain forestry. Like speaking of rain and cooler weather, this is what this is what would be nice if we get some of this again soon. Um, hello to anyone who's just joined us recently on this live show. I see a few more viewers have. Yeah. Jumped on to say hi, leave a comment, say good day. We like to hear from you. Yeah. Um, We've just been we arguing for talk... the first 10 minutes, but that's okay. No, there's no arguments here. This is, this is none whatsoever. You just no. made me feel guilty about creating fantastic no. artwork. Well, look, you know, if you can sell it off, good on you. That's it. Um, I think Anne made a good. A pro golfer cannot use a spirit level on the green before putting out. That's true. So does, that's that right. mean, does that mean she's saying that as a pro photographer, you shouldn't be using extra tools to cheat? I don't know. No. no, no, that's how I read it. No, <laughs> so I, I don't think so. No. Uh, so our moving right along, our main topic uh, topics for this week, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, what you should expect when you attend a photography workshop. So if you're mm. um, looking to attend a workshop that this guy here runs, uh, or this or guy anyone, here really. runs, anyone, anyone really, yeah, yeah. Um, we. I think what we wanted to talk about is what you should expect from, you know, when you pay your hard earned, yeah. you know, what, what, what should you, what should you get out of a workshop um, to kick it off? What, what, do, does it depend on the level of, so, you know, absolute bog standard beginner or, you know, like a, someone I've, who's had a bit more experience or. Yeah. Um, I guess it does. And I guess people's expectations. And, and the other reason I thought this topic might be a good one tonight is, as a person that runs quite a lot of workshops and there's a lot of other people that I know run workshops, I don't think any two workshops are the same. Um, different different location, different people, you know, different teaching skills and things like that. But I think there should be some consistencies across the board with what you should expect for the money you pay uh, doing workshops. So whether or not you're a beginner, uh, my, my workshops range from beginners to people that are, are shooting just as much as I am. Um, and their reasons for attending are always different. You know, some people... You know, one of the most common reasons people come on workshops for me is that their partner doesn't like hanging around while they take photos. So they want to go away somewhere nice with a group of like-minded people where there's no real time constraints, no real pressures on what they have to do and learn a few tricks along the way and, and have a good time. So, um, but I think, yeah, I think the expectations from people to people based on their level, like you said, I think that would change definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, Anne Moore says she's, she expects lunch lunch <laughs> when she goes on the <laughs> why, would, why, why would you want lunch on a workshop so that's right that's great well i'd expect that as well um 
Yeah, it's funny because when I have, so the, the main workshop I, I run is an entry level workshop. Um, but I do market it to people with a bit of experience as well because I find that people who have been shooting for, even even people who, who shot on a film and transitioned to digital at the turn of the century, which is just a phrase I love using, um, you know, they, they get a lot out of the workshop as well because yeah. to this point, they might have been doing something not quite right and yeah. they just hadn't picked up on that. So yeah. um, I think when, when it comes to what, what you should expect out of a workshop when you attend one of these things is, well, obviously you want to expect to learn something you don't already know, hopefully. That would be that would be a good start. Um, I think you should also expect uh, a fair bit of attention as well. Um, and I know, Cam, you keep your numbers relatively small for that very reason. So that yeah. you can, I mean, you, I, w- I would hate to go to a photography workshop where there's 30 people and one presenter. Yeah. Because it's like, how's that going to work? That's right. You just don't get that attention that people want. And and you're right. Like every every different person that comes on a workshop is there for a different reason. And and a lot of times, even the people that have been shooting for a long time, uh, we'll get to a point where they might just go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I, I didn't realise that's what that meant or hey that's a cool way i've never thought about doing that before so um yeah i think if yeah people can get away with a couple of extra little tips and stuff like that i think that's that's a good thing but based on what people are saying in the comments you know there's a lot of people that like to just go on these workshops for the experience of going somewhere else with other people that you know are like-minded and you know happy to share happy to share knowledge and um you know and, and sort of rack my brain for what i know and what i can teach as well so um yeah so i've only done really localized uh, on location workshops so far you've clearly done them all over the joint um and i think that's the difference if you're picking and choosing your workshops um do you want to do more theoretical stuff so you want to sit down in a in a maybe a studio environment or do you want to sit down in like more of a classroom environment and learn that way or do you want to be out on location and, and I guess one thing that's always tough, and I'm not putting words in your mouth here, Cam, but I think um, one thing that's always tough with on-location stuff is the weather. Like, you, mm. you, it's so tough to, you know, you, you, what yeah. you have to do is when you get back to your to your studio is use yeah. sky replacement, and that's, you know, that's frowned upon. So Yeah, well, that, that's the thing, and, and locations play a big part in workshops, um, and I think that's why down here in Tassie, I'm very lucky I can, I can run multiple workshops in all different... Um, all different areas um but have certainly different locations and different landscapes but uh yeah you're right like sometimes the weather I, like i really encourage my groups if anyone's been on a workshop with me um generally the weather is not a factor if it's raining snowing hot sunny windy whatever it is we'll go out there and we'll try and create something because i think it's very important that if you're on a workshop you know people are paying you know good money to come and spend time with you in the locations um the last thing you want to do is just sit in a hotel room for eight hours a day because it's raining yeah. Um, which is why these forestry scenes are great in Tassie. You know, even if it's rainy, you can get in there and get some great shots. But, um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was an interesting topic to bring up as to what people should be expecting to get out of there. I know someone's put up a comment there, Sam, saying that uh, some, some workshops you actually have to pay more for the education. So the workshop is about just going to the local, well, the trip's about going to the location. But if you want to learn stuff, you've obviously got to tap on a, a bit of extra money to do that. So that's just an interesting way of doing it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know people should have an expectation that interesting is a kind word for it. <laughs> it's, it's a kind word for it, but uh, it's a different it's a different way to do it. But um, I think people should have at least the expectation that if if you can't walk away, like I say to my guys when they come along, you know, if I think I had one lady came on a workshop a few years ago, 
and she'd been on a quite a lot of workshops all around Australia. And one of her comments was, oh, I usually come away with these three or four day workshops. If one or two good shots I like, and I, I sort of almost fell over in shock. I'm like, you're, you're walking away from these locations with one or two images that you like, like that to me, that that's not really getting bang for buck. Like you should be getting two or three images a day that you like from a location. Bare that you're going, bare yeah, bare, minimum. bare minimum. So we made that a bit of a, you know, on the fly, we made that a bit of a, a goal for our workshop attendees that, you know what, we're going to get two or three cracking images a day from where we're going each day. And we're not leaving, not leaving that location until we do. And um, she sent me an email a few weeks afterwards and said, Hey, you know what? I actually got like 12 or 13 different good shots that I'm really, really happy with. So um, yeah, I think there's got to be an expectation that you've got to walk away from the end of these workshops. Um, and again, depending on which level you're at, like if you're a good beginner and you want to learn, then that's where an instructor can really help you, you know, set up things, get your composition or talk to you about composition, get some settings right for you. So, you, you know, you, you're sort of 80% of the way of getting a really good shot and then it's up to you to have yeah. a look at what you're doing. Yeah, and, and to, to that end, I would say that doing a workshop, particularly an on-location workshop, is going to give you a lot of tools to avoid the dreaded photographer's block. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's happened to all of us. I, I'll go to a great location. It's like, this is a really good location. I don't know how to capture it. Like, I can't. I can't work out the composition or, you know, what I need to do. But yeah. if you're armed with the right tools and you've got a few basics there that you can always go back to. And, you yeah. know, um, for example, I give notes, you know, a sheet of literally a cheat sheet of notes I, yeah. it's on real paper too. I actually print it for people and give it to them. And I get a real buzz when I go down to the beach and I see another photographer there and I can see my notes sticking out of their camera bag. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's really cool. cool. Yeah. You know, and, cool. and, and, they probably don't read them, but they just, it looks good. Um, it's a sunshade for their lens. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Hey, it doubles down. That's uh, the, the, the but I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's really, really important to have those tools so that when you do get the dreaded block, yep. it's got, you've got s some building blocks, the foundation to go back to. Say, yep. Okay, let's do a reset here. Yep. What am I looking for? Where am I, you know, leading lines? Where's my horizon got to be? Blah, blah, blah. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. that you learn uh, by doing when you yeah. go to an on-location workshop. I have a really wanky phrase that I use in my workshops, which there's a few on people here who know about it, but I, I, I use this phrase that don't forget the cat. So anyone owns a cat, you generally don't leave your cat outside, you know, don't forget the cat, bring the cat inside. But the, to me, I, I break it up that the cat stands for something. So cat is composition, aperture, and time of day. If you, if you can just focus on those three things at each place you go to, you know, you, you sort of, you know, you're a good way on to getting a good shot. So make sure your composition's strong, you know, how it works, what, what makes a good composition versus a bad composition. For landscape photography, a lot of it's all to do with aperture, you know, how much depth of focus or depth of field do you want in your shot? And then the other one is time of day, you know, talking about weather and stuff like that. You know, if you want to go out and get a really beautiful shot like yours behind there with real clouds, not dropping clouds, then, you know, you can't go there at midday. You've got to go there at sunset to get that sort yeah. of thing. So I always say to my guys, you know, wherever we might be standing, whether or not it's a forest or on the coastline, okay, okay, cool. What are we here at the right time of day? And everyone's like, well, yeah, it's sunrise or sunset, you know, cool. Tick that off. What aperture are we going to use? Well, we want big depth of field. Let's go F11, F16. Excellent. And what about our composition? Well, I'm working on that, but you know, the other two things are ready to go. And that yeah. really like just dumbs it down for people that they can really get good shots quicker. Um, nothing worse when you're on a workshop and, you know, you can see someone fumbling around, you know, playing around with settings, swapping lenses and doing all these things, tripod up, tripod down, low, high, whatever. 
and the sun's going off in the background, going off, 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 off. And all of a sudden, <laughs> by the time by the time they're ready to shoot, the light's all completely gone and they've, yep. missed, they've missed the whole shot. So, yep. um, yeah, I, li- I like to try and get people set up real early, real quick, uh, and then work with them as we go along. So you got a sunset going on, haven't you? Yeah, I'm just having a look out my window and uh, we are starting to get to sunset time and it's looking rather peachy. Why there's, do we schedule these things when I have nice sunsets here? There's a, there's a good question from Sam. So as a question I hear a lot, is composition more important than light if you had to choose? Well, we're going to talk about composition as another topic in this this little episode. Yes. But well, I think that's, that's going to come up next. Segway? Um, well, that's, Very good segue. Has Sam got our notes? Has she got a copy of these notes? She's got a cheat sheet somewhere. She has got a cheat sheet. She's, she's um, so just, just leaving the workshop thing, wrapping it up, um, that segment was brought to you by Cam's Workshops. Cam, can you give a quick plug? <laughs> We're doing your, sponsorships, are we? Can you, give, can you give a quick plug for your uh, your website where people might be able to sure. book themselves the workshop? Absolutely. Here goes my sales skills. Uh, www.camblakephotography.com.au. Uh, all my workshops are on the front page. We go to almost every corner of Tassie. Uh, we're also going to South Australia, to the Flinders Ranges. Uh, we go down the Franklin River rafting. I know there's someone watching who's booked onto that. Uh, we go all over the place. So if you want to come and join me down in Tassie, uh, jump on there, have a look. Uh, there's still places available for most of this year. They've all got sort of bookings, but there's room for a couple more. Uh, we're off to the Tarkine in a couple of weeks. There's also someone watching. Sam's actually coming on that one, I think, from the Tarkine. So she's in for an absolute treat. Um, but yeah, they're all there, Um, I also do little single day things. So if you're in Hobart for a day or, if, you know, we do uh, Olympus OM, OM digital days as well, where I take you out with all the Olympus gear. So it's all on there. So go check it out uh, and shoot me a message if you've got any questions, really. Yeah. Nice one. And how well, that, you, that, have you got, have you got your introductories going yet? Uh, yeah. So my workshops have been stop start for the last two years, as with a lot of uh, things, um, a, a lot of people's businesses have been stop start for the last two years. However, feels like there's light at the end of the tunnel now. Um, yeah. QR codes were abolished yesterday here in Victoria, yeah, not, and yeah. I think um, the story is that masks aren't far behind. So the same, they're, they're yeah, all yeah. good signs, and the mm. country has literally, as we speak, just reopened to uh, international travellers, so um, all good signs. Um, my workshops will kick off again in March, so uh, they were supposed to kick off in February, but then Omicron said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so we're, we're kicking ours off again in March. So if anyone is listening and who's uh, can get their way to Ocean Grove in, uh, in in Southern Victoria. You can um, sign up to one of my workshops. So, and, and we are going to do. I'm telling you right now, we are doing a joint I'm workshop. Telling you now, Brendan and I are going to. We are going to do. It'll most likely be up his end of the world because he never comes down to Tassie because it's too far. You know, there's more golf courses down here. But anyway, we'll, we will put one on this year, uh, and we'll make sure that you guys listening get exclusive access to that. There you go. It's exclusive. Did you, did you hear that, everyone? We're going to put one on this year. Yeah, sometime. I like it. I like um, it. Uh, so that's no, good. No, we'll, we'll do good. it. It's yeah, good. yeah. Um, so yeah, getting back to Sam's question about composition and light. Yes. Which is going to roll into what we've got. We've got some photos to share, and we were just going to share some photos and talk about them. But what I've made Brendan do is we're going to actually talk about the composition that may or may not work in these shots, and why, and maybe how it can or can't uh, be improved. But to answer Sam's question, and, and we will talk about this in the Tarkon when you come along, composition to me can make or break a shot. You can have the, the best light in the world, but if you've got the most mediocre composition, 
um, then it really does take away from what you could have could have created. So you've only got to look at the likes of Peter Dombrowskis, um, you know, Peter Eastways, you know, Christian Fletchers, you know, all the really, you know, good photographers in Australia. They all have very strong weights. Brendan Waits. And they all have very strong compositions in their shots. So I, I think it's important how much it outweighs, you know, whether or not composition is, you know, 50% more important than light or not. I, I think they're pretty close, but I think composition just maybe just nips it at the end. Of, at the end because you I can, think there's a very, very simple answer. You can make great compositions. You can't make great light. Well, you did. Well, not really. We, well, you, you, got, you got a good composition and then upped it with great light. There you go. So I added, I put mayo on it, but you can, <laughs> in my opinion, in a landscape situation, yeah, if you're in a good, how can I say you're in a good landscape? You know, I, I think you know what I mean. If you're, if you're in, a, in a, an area, you know, where um, you know, there's lots of interest, like lighthouses, jetties, yep. rainforests, all that sort of stuff, I think um, you can create good composition anywhere. I really yeah. do believe that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, um, true. And, and to the point where, to, I actually love challenging myself like that where you might be on just this desolate beach, for example, where there's no, like you can't, there's not, a, there's nothing going on, but then you start looking for it and you will see it. Yeah. Um, so quite often, just a little example. I used to, when I lived on the sunshine coast up in Queensland, I used to do the Yamundi markets up there and I would sell loads of photos of the Noosa Heads National Park, um, main beach at Noosa, the Noosa river, all this sort of stuff. And there'd be shots that I'd sell. And I'd, quite often people would, you know, clearly not photographers, but they'd love the images. They would mm. come in and they would say, I was just in the Noosa National Park yesterday morning. I, mm. I didn't see that. Yeah. And it's like, well, did you look? Yeah. And, and not being a smart ass, but meaning the photographer will look a lot harder at a, at a landscape. And it's amazing when you start thinking as a photographer. So... It's, it's almost like a penny dropping moment. You, you, you take your camera, you, you understand what focal lengths your cameras are working out and your field of view of your yeah. lens. Yeah. And you start seeing that with your own eyes. Well, I do. Um, yeah. You start, you know, this is, I don't do this, by the way. <laughs> I've never really? once done that in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> For those I, listening, people, it's where you make the little box out of your fingers and look through like your bloody Stanley Kubrick or something. But I don't, I don't have know. it on my desk, but people used to take the blank 35 mil slide frames yeah. and, they, and they'd hold it up. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, so. Which is really interesting. I get that. But I, I think with, with experience and, and going out into a scene, you know, for me, it's composition first and yeah. then pray for the light. Well, that's, that, that, that's where the cat theory comes in. Composition, yeah. Yeah. That, like, get that done first. Because if, yeah. you, if you get there at the right time of day and you get all your aperture and stuff set up, and like I said, if you're fluffing around trying to get a composition, uh, I, I've used the example once before of, of a great mate of mine, Dave Marlin, who might be watching, but he's been on a few workshops and things like that. And we're on the east coast of Tassie taking a shot of the hazards, beautiful morning absolutely gorgeous sunrise and we had a group of i think it was maybe eight people there and everyone else set their compositions up really good and they were just waiting for the light so they got everything ready to go and just waiting to snap off for that light he's running up and down this beach snap and he had he had 600 compositions that morning and when he got back he's like you know what 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 which one should i use or i just couldn't get my head around i was looking for composition i was just spending too much time and he, he got all a bit panicky and and you know he still got a nice shot but the ones that were set up had their composition strong from the start were the ones that were not panicky and the ones that were able to get that light when they needed it to. So yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and again, a good composition in a landscape generally won't go anywhere. You, yeah. It's going to be there forever. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long for the rest of your life. So that's right. You know, you can always you can always just because you happen to be there then and then you can always and then let's say the light doesn't happen, you can always come back to it. You can always yeah. have another crack at it later yeah. um, to try and get it how you envisaged it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, if I can offer you one piece of advice about composition, it is put it at the top of your list as priorities for, for your landscape photography because it, to me, it's it's 90% composition, yeah. really. It's, it's, yeah. it's that important. And I think you're right as well. Like you, you, a lot of people ask on workshops, you know, how do I, you know, teach me composition? It's like, well, I can teach you nine-tenths of the way, but you've, yes. got to, you've got to also start looking at things differently. Like you said, different lenses, different heights in your tripod, look shooting down, shooting up, you know, whatever it might be. And it's to me as a, as a teacher, it's, it's one of the hardest things I have to try and teach is how to get people to start looking differently through their lenses. So that's where exactly. giving, that's where giving it, that's where, as funny as it sounds, that where, this is where this thing comes in extremely handy. Yes. This, is, this is my composition tool, this one, is because yes. I can take this out and just go to a student, hey, look, try this shoot that down wide angle this is what i'm this is how i'm seeing it and they're like oh cool yeah okay well, i'll get my wide angle out or i'll get my telephoto out and shoot through something or whatever so um yeah, yeah i think it, yeah you're right composition is very important but what we'll do i'll uh, i'll try and share our screen with these photos i'm hosting technically tonight because uh i don't know how to do anything else cam hosts the live shows everyone so um mm, I, I do i do the editing for the youtube stuff later but cam gets to host the live show we don't know why we've done it this way we just have we actually are looking at the option for our next live show so for those of you playing along at home we have already said that we are going to do a live show every month it might not be the same time every month but we're certainly mm. going to try and do one every month yeah and hopefully at some point relatively soon we might be able to even do one from a sunset location um well wow. funny you of say, course funny you say that because that was what we we're thinking of doing tonight is actually there's having such nice color in the sky here oh my goodness it's a bit dull here but it's blowing a gale down here so i reckon if i was is it? out somewhere i would have got blown off the mountain so um all right let me see if i can share this screen i think i've got it i think i'm looking for lightroom lightroom classic there we go share now hopefully people can see us yes so i can i, I can, I can, see it on I can my... I can't see the comments anymore, Bren. So you might have to. I can. I've got the comments here, and we have a screen on our stream. Right. And if you can click on that photo for me, yeah, there we go. Yes, beautiful. A bit of a lag, bit of a delay. That's all right. So you know, talking about compositions, uh, this is a shot of Brendan's. Do you want to talk us your thoughts around how you managed to get all those elements lined up really nicely on what looks like a terrible day? <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. It was a terrible day. Um, now I've said this to you before when we do these things you've got to move that cursor off have you already done that I, I don't know I think so is it out the way <laughs> now it's gone that's fine okay, thank cool. you um, I, so this is um, Point Lonsdale uh, in fact all three of the photos that I've put up for our composition chat are down at Point Lonsdale that's the Point Lonsdale jetty on the left right. and we've got a big old ship coming through the rip or the entry into Port Phillip Bay on its way yeah. to probably the Port of Melbourne I would imagine um, right. Okay, I know where you are. Yep. Now, this was done in 2009, this photo. So, what's this? 13 years old now, this photo. Right. Um, shot on, oh, goodness me, probably an Olympus E300 or something like that. Yeah, okay. If yep. I remember. Uh, anyway, um, first thing in the morning, really, really bad conditions. So, 
grey, overcast, just yuck. But we had a big swell pumping. Yeah. And when you get a big swell coming through uh, the rip at Point Lonsdale, it's really something even just to go and see, let alone photograph. Yeah. Anyway, I had the boat coming through the heads and I'm looking at it compared to where the jetty was. I used a big zoom. This is a 300 mil zoom, I believe. Um, so who says you shouldn't use zoom to take a landscape photo? This is exactly a case in point where you can use zoom. <laughs> Then as I had the boat and the jetty lined up, well, wouldn't you know it, that wave just sort of rose up out of the ocean right in front of me and yeah. added a third really dramatic element to the shot and gave it a, a lot of oh, balance, I suppose, with the jetty yeah. on the left, the boat on the right, and then the wave ripping through the middle. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm very, very happy to say this has gone on to be probably, I'd uh, be close to be my best-selling Point Lonsdale photograph yeah. over the years. And it looks awesome as a gigantic canvas like a two meter canvas yeah, yeah um there's a lot of really good detail in it and the canvas of course um masks the imperfections in the photo and that is the shockingly bad noise that you used to get over an olympus e300 back in the well, day I, I, on they, my screen i can see it is a bit noisy but i, I think it sort of yeah. adds to that sort of grainy feel about it too like that's right it does have it adds to that like sort a, of dynamic nature of the photo yeah so so one of the things we talk about with composition is is the rule of thirds which is you know i'd imagine most people listening would have an idea of what the rule of thirds is and that's when you're sort of separating your, your image up into three sort of sections and trying to have interesting elements of each shot on the inter intersections or the thirds. so on this one here brendan's got obviously the horizon at the top of the the top third of the frame which is great he's got that boat on the right hand side he's got the wave and the jetty on the left-hand side, he's got the jetty coming in at the bottom third. So it almost becomes three images. So you've got an image of the jetty, image of the wave, and then an image of the sky and the boat. So when you're looking at sort of framing things up, that can be just, it can come naturally to some people. Some people don't see the rule of thirds naturally. Um, but what you'll find on most cameras these days, they actually have the rule of thirds like framing on your visual display. So you can actually turn it on and off. So if you don't know that on your camera, have a look because you should be able to scroll through your screen. So when you're looking either at your screen or through the viewfinder, if it's an electronic viewfinder, you should be able to set it up where you get that rule of thirds grid. And it's a really good way to help line things up, even if it's just a horizon or, you know, just to make sure that jetty is just on the, you know, just far enough from in from the left. So that's um, a pretty cool shot, that one. I'm not, I'm not monitoring questions. Is there any questions there, Brendon? No, oh, we just good. had, um, no, we just had a couple of uh Comment, nice comments thank you about the photo and also uh, kathy just asked me if that was spirit of spew no that is a oh, cargo ship that's going through there even mentioning um, a spirit of spew makes me feel little <laughs> so the that, other thing about this shot is because it's done under pretty low light i didn't have my tripod with me so what i had to do is actually brace myself in some way and what i've done in this case is i've got myself pushed hard up against the point lonsdale lighthouse Oh, yeah. um handy handy you have a gigantic lighthouse right behind me as a tripod so yeah yeah um yeah i remember i also remember the day before this they had some gigantic swell down at bell's beach which isn't too far from me and i managed to get a cool shot of a surfer on at bell's as well so i got sort of two for the price of one with this little storm front that came through so. and the thing the thing i love about this as well and this goes back to you know what ash mentioned there's uh, some legendary tasmanian photographer who says you know don't be a fair weather photographer uh, I think he's right, that that photographer. You need to make sure that, you know, this shot, this is still a nice shot on a nice day or with a nice sunrise or sunset. But if you want that drama of that massive wave and, you know, you know, you can almost picture the, the, the captain of that boat reaching for the sick bag because he's seen that wave coming through the rip. Like it, it, gives, it gives it a feel because you're there shooting it 
in you know in terrible conditions now you know yeah. you, can, you, you can go there and get a nice shot a nice calm shot of the jetty and a boat but you know it's not going to be as interesting as something as dramatic as that massive wave you know that wave is bigger than the jetty that's almost as big as the boat in scale in regards to what you've got it framed so yeah yeah like you don't get that unless you go out and do it so don't sit at home watching the poor weather pass get out there and capture the drama i say oh no this weather was was yuck like yeah. i don't as I say, it was only crazy photographers and 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 captains of boats that were out that morning. It was awful, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was good fun. Um, are we going to do one of yours now? Captain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craig says it needs a lightning bolt. I'm surprised that <laughs> I'm surprised it doesn't. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one will pop up on people's screens when the lag drops off, that I can see going on. Uh, so this is a shot from Ooh, the yes, from, very very nice yeah I, I like this shot myself because of the composition I used to try and you know accentuate that real big root system in the front but this is up in the northeast of Tassie these are giant you know five or six hundred year old myrtle trees they're just massive like the scale of them is just huge like what what this shot probably does need is another photographer in there for scale or a person standing under the tree with a red jacket on or something like that but um, these are yeah really old myrtle trees but what I've done here is I've just tried to really use that foreground sort of twist in the root system there to sort of lead you into that big tree and you know, with the right atmospheric sort of conditions with the fog, just having that tree in the back sort of right-hand corner just sort of gives it a bit of depth as well. Um, but yeah, again, like just the simple rule of thirds, you know, there's two trees on the, on the vertical thirds. The interesting part of that root system sort of going through the bottom third, uh, there's not much going up in the top sort of top section of the, of the image apart from the big trunk, but um yeah it was just one of those scenes where i just saw that twist in the in the in the root system i thought that, that looks pretty it looks like a snake or something like that and yeah snapped it away the um the attention to detail in this image is really cool i like the um i like the way the light is filtering through the leaves as well as mm. i you can see the some are blocked out by shadow but some have actually got light filtering through them particularly once it you know go up in the uh, in the v of the bow if you like in the main tree yeah, yeah. um what, what's your take on the debris on the forest floor there? Like there's a lot going on there. Did you, yeah. when you were taking this photo, was that in the back of mind that that could be a little bit messy and distracting or is it that the, the two trees dominate the scene so much that they just take all the attention of the viewer? Yeah. yeah like I, it, it did cause me a little bit of concern when I was shooting. Cause yeah, you're right. There is a lot of mess and a lot of breakage. It gets very windy up there as well. So there's a lot of broken branches and things like that. The, the biggest thing that sort of concerned me in this shot, and this is again where like this is a this is an early morning shot, you know, really, really thick fog, but I'm still using a polarizing filter. Uh, and the reason I used the polarizing filter because there was so much glare off all that foliage on the ground, like all that orangey sort of bark and the wet tree roots and all the little bits of myrtle leaves, without the polarization of the light that was really, really bright. And it just looked like lots of white specks on the ground. So even though it was sort of really early morning conditions and, and you know, it wasn't blue sky conditions, the circular polarizer really took out a lot of that attention on the foreground. So that, that was more my concern, like the mess of it, I, I sort of, I just accepted. Um, yep. but, but the flare off all the wet foliage was what was causing me concerns and I, and I think I did a shot without the polarizer turned the right way. And I just went, whoa, just, it just stuck out. On the back of the screen, yeah. I went, that, that's not going to work. We need to we need to cut that out. And then what that does, the polarizer also bumps up those greens and those leaves you're talking about, they probably look a bit better as well because they're a bit more polarized um, than what they were without the polarizer. So 
a lesson there is that you know i keep i keep my polarizer on until i'm doing astro i leave it on most of the time yeah um, the, the it, conditions in this photo sorry to cut you off but the conditions in this photo you've got a bit of mist and stuff around it almost yeah. looks like the, the 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 tree in the background is either disappearing or emerging from yeah that mist i think i think um you know that that's a case of getting I'm not lucky, but you you know you, you make your own luck. But um, mm. you know, getting really good, really positive conditions to shoot in yeah. to add to that scene. Um, I think without the mist and the fog there, you, you might have had to shoot at a really shallow aperture just to have yeah the tree front left sharp and the background falling away. Yeah, I, I I agree. I, I went up here this morning. I went up with Luke O'Brien, the, the gentleman that I share the gallery with, and talking about planning for shots. I think this is something that uh people might not put as much emphasis on especially in their local areas like it's different if you're going to a place that you're only going for a week or you know you can't do much about conditions there but if you find a spot that you go geez that'll look good under real foggy conditions well the weather forecast these days are generally pretty good spot on so we actually picked a really misty sort of wet rainy day because this is up at around i think they're about seven or eight hundred meters above sea level they're quite high um so we knew if we went up there in the right conditions in regards to drizzle and mist and rain that we would actually get these kind of conditions. So not long after this, we packed up and went home because it just bucketed, it started bucketing down rain. We couldn't do anything without getting dots all over our lens, our spots all over our lens. But yeah, the conditions were really like, this is perfect. And we went up a week or two later um, to do something else. And the conditions were just bright, sunny, and it just doesn't look the same. It looks, it looks completely highly contrast. It's more of a black and white scene than it is that sort of color scene. But yeah, if, if you have a spot local that you go to or, you know, whether or not it's the beach, you know, if people live on the coastline, you know, all you got to talk about is sea fog, you know. You can predict when that sea fog is going to come in or the spray or, you know, you can get some really atm atmospheric shots going on. So that that's just as important. The research to a shot is just as important to the shot, I reckon. Yeah, and Kathy just asked a question. Uh, what if you, you'd increase the yellows in the mist or the highlights? So I, I think that would be detrimental to this image because... Um, what the what mist does in a scene like this is makes that background almost monochromatic. It, it really desaturates the mm. image, and I think what that has done is just added to the composition because, of course, it makes the tree on the left the the highlight, the the, yeah. the the main performer in this image for sure. So the background in this image is a bonus, but it's secondary to that tree on the left. Yeah. What what I was actually going to do is drop a fog sky in. The fog, like yeah. a drop, drop a fog sky in. So that's, yeah. I just, just drop yeah. fog in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, no, it's a, to, no, to, no one's, no one's going to believe us at all now. Well, me. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, this is a single capture. Um, the only thing I did say in regards to Kathy's question about the yellows and the mist and the highlight, I actually did cool this whole temperature. I cooled the entire temperature down at the shot. So I, sh I shoot on auto white balance on my cameras. But if I have a, if this is, like I said, this is a cold, misty, sort of wet scene, I'll actually back the, the colour temperature down to be a bit cooler. So it actually, you'll sort of get a bit of a feel that, okay, it's cold and wet there. You know, if this was a, a you know, a really nice sort of sunrise or sunset, I probably would warm it up a bit and go the other way yeah. to make it feel a bit warmer. So you can play around with colour temperatures a bit as well. Yeah, so, very good. All right, right, shall we move along? We'll move it along. This is uh, Brendon's next one, talking of putting things in the middle. Yeah, look, I mean, this this shot is something that it, it happens a lot. Like, it's not it's a very very common shot to do when you've got a nice jetty. Uh, P.S. These were I, I basically ripped these straight off my website and sent them to Cam. So for, forgive me if they're a little bit low res, but um, I'm sure you get the idea. 
Again, Point Lonsdale, um, the great thing about this jetty is at low tide, as you can see, that you can get underneath it and you can get these fantastic um, compositions. Now, you know, this is this is leading lines on steroids. This is to the absolute max. Vanishing the idea, <laughs> Vanishing point, exactly. The idea here is you want to have a look. Basically, when you look at that image, your eye should be led right to that very, very faint little window you can see right at the end of those of the pillars of the jetty. Um, but of course, taking that shot on its own, although it works, um, you know, it's been done to death. It's a bit of a yawn fest. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, I put on a 10-stop ND filter um, and slowed the, uh, the water down and got the, the blur of the movement. Blur of the movement I got. Thanks, that's Cam. A, yep. That's a good I got one. The, the blur of the movement. I got the blur of the waves um, <laughs> to just add a little bit more interest. So... The more you look at this photo, the more you see. And one of the uh, upshots of doing that, not only do you get the, the, the blur around the rock that's sitting right under that jetty, if you look to the waves that are breaking on the left-hand side of this jetty, they've got that really cool movement in those as well, which yeah. I, I love that look. I, I think it, I don't know, there's something about it. It adds movement to a still frame. Yeah. Um, and, and again, one of those shots that, that prints really well for some reason, this yeah. particular photo prints really well. And this is where I break the rule of, I hate horizons right through the middle of my photo. Um, dead center is dead boring as far as I'm concerned. However, in this case, it actually adds to an extra line that intersects right at the vanishing point. Yeah. So the balance in the photo is great, but then you've got the asymmetrical jetty, which you can see no two pillars are the same. Yeah. They're all out of alignment. This thing was built like a hundred years ago. Um, it's yeah. I, I, this this is if you, if you've ever got a chance to get down to Point Lonsdale, um, not far from my hometown in Ocean Grove, around the jetty, the lighthouse area, um, you will come back with some awesome photos at any time of the year and any time of the day. It's just so accessible. I think is the thing. As I say, with this jetty, obviously you can walk out on the jetty as far as you want. You can shoot back towards the lighthouse. You can shoot mm. forward down the jetty, or like I've done here, you can get underneath it as well. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I love the the real rustic detail. Like you said, those all those pillars. There's not one the same. Uh, there's some that's got like some sort of mossy algae around it, and then uh, I also like the fact that if you look from front, if you go down that vanishing point, if you look at the front, you got a little bit of rock and color in there. Then it goes to a different sort of color, and then at the very back, it goes into aqua. So you sort of got like a a, a grad a gradient of color going through it as well. So um, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because to me color i very rarely take the time to look at the colors in a scene when i'm making a composition um but this this one so i i think it's a it's a happy byproduct i don't know what i'm trying to say here but it's like when you you see the you see the image appear on your screen on the back of the camera particularly with a long exposure because sometimes the processing goes on it takes a few seconds for the image to appear i think that's when i look at the color is after i've captured the scene yeah. when i'm making the photo originally i'm all i'm interested in is composition yeah and yeah i know that there's going to be nice blues and aquas and stuff and that's going to come through nicely but it's not no no it's not even wouldn't even be in the top five things that i would consider in a photo like this is color yeah yeah right and now that that might come from the fact that we are now editing our photos um a lot in photoshop lightroom that sort of stuff and we we've got a lot of control over that color but i would yeah. like to think with color i I strive to make it as natural looking as possible. Um, yeah. I think, and I think now that's what makes an image stand out is when the colors don't look 
faked or you know, unnatural. And to me, this image in particular, it's almost it's almost muted. It's that yeah, it's underdone this image. Well, there's so, a lot of com- there's a lot of comments saying that maybe you know even black and white would look really cool on this one and. Uh, it know, does. To, I've actually, I actually have produced this image in black and white, and it does look really good because it's quite contrasty. Yeah, well, it's easy to do. Let's hang on. We can let's make it black. And white. <laughs> this is this is my intellectual intellectual property you're playing around with that's here, Cameron. Cool. That's great. There we that's go. Look at that. The, the wonders of modern technology. Yeah, we'll just just fix it up a bit. Hang on. Yes, and uh, no, that looks that actually looks really good in uh, in black and white. This is, yeah. this is a live edit of one of my photos by Cam Blake. Yeah. But I, to, I feel like I have to give you money for this now. Well, you know, you sell stuff, whatever. There you go. Easy done. What a great shot. Sorry, I've just completely bastardized, bastardized your photo. We'll go back to color. Hang on, we'll reset it back to normal. All right. Um, yeah, excellent. And again, this is a really good example of, again, leading lines and using repetitive shapes and things like that, you know, getting a bit creative in your shots. And like you said, this, this shot probably works underneath the jetty, on the jetty, you know, looking back, looking up, like there's probably a thousand different ways you can actually um, make this really stand out. So always look for different angles and different options while you're there as well. Yeah, and, and how good is the texture in that old jetty? I just I just love the texture yeah. in the timber. I think that, that level of detail adds. And as I say, the, it's one of those photos that the more you look at it, the more you see, which to me is a win when I'm taking landscape photos. Um, I know I've got the composition right when I've got a client in store, in store looking through my website or looking through a book that I've got and they're flicking through and they stop. That's a win when yeah. I get them to stop. <laughs> it, it, it sort of makes it, uh, it makes it all worthwhile when you get them, you can see they've stopped and you're going, okay, I've got yeah. something right here. Yeah. Um, always good. Yeah, so. that, happens, that happens at my gallery when they stop at my photo and then I go, but look at Luke's photo. Look how nice it is over there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll go on to the next one. Oh, yeah, mine. go for it. Yeah. Um, so this one, this this is one of those ones where I think it's really important to talk about foreground interest. Um, is that you know if you have something in your foreground as your composition, um, you know it can really just make or break a shot. So this is on one of the workshops I did with Sang Ma from Perth. We went down to the tessellated pavement for sunrise, which is down towards Port Arthur. And we went down there. It was it was an okay sunrise, uh, but we got some beautiful light, and you know it was nice conditions. But there was this bit of yellow, big yellow kelp sitting in the foreground. So I decided to put that in as almost my main feature of the shot. And then it's just a matter of letting the rest of the shot sort of you know work its way into it with the lines and the the reflections. But to me, if you're setting up composition, sometimes people shooting wide angle don't sh- don't look down enough, or they don't sort of shoot down enough. They sort of shoot more out. And as a rule of thumb, I try with my wide angle, we're talking maybe 16 mil or 18 mil wide. My, my camera is almost you know, 45 degrees down pointing at, the, at, the, at the, the subject in the foreground. So a lot of times when you go to locations, you might be scouting for compositions. A lot of times I find that the best composition or the best topic for my composition is at my feet. So don't be afraid to look right down at your feet because sometimes there's some incredible detail on beaches and forest floors and, and things like that. So if you can find something that's got some really interesting shape or colour, chuck it in the middle, chuck it in the front of your frame, you know, really shoot down. You know, this is probably set up at about a metre high or a metre and a half high tripod, shooting down with a, with a wide angle lens. Uh, you know, this, there's a little snippet of sky. I was hoping there might have been some, maybe some more color or more interest in the sky I, I don't know how to drop skies in my photoshop so i didn't do it um but to me it's all about that golden color and, and, and the, the really sort of, easy man 
so <laughs> apparently so click, it's like two mouse clicks <laughs> yeah for coming from the man who can't get his background in 16 by 9 on the show he's, he's able he's able he's able to drop skies in but yeah to me like composition you know it doesn't always have to be about the, the rule of thirds or you know vanishing points or things like that it, it can be and again this is where peter dombroskis i encourage everyone who loves landscape photography go check out peter dombroskis's work uh, he was the master of foreground interest. Uh, another Tasmanian photographer here, Nick Monk. Nick Monk does an incredible job at making extremely good shots with interesting foregrounds. Um, you know, you can make the foreground, that, that can be your hero of the shot. And if you've got something nice in the back to complement it, it can really make your shots pop out. So, you know, you take that kelp out of there and okay, it's an okay shot with some leading lines. Uh, but with the shapes and the swirls of the kelp there and the colour, to me, that sort of just made it really sort of stand out from other shots that we did that day. The, the colour, the light pinging off the kelp is what makes it. Um, yeah. It yeah. really defines the shape of the kelp, and I really yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, Kath has asked, was the kelp there or did Seng put it there? He's well known for that. <laughs> He's well known for getting the shits if you move his leaves out of his shots. Hi, Seng. <laughs> um, <laughs> quick side story. I, I did a workshop with Seng. This is actually the same workshop we're on, and we went to Liffey Falls, which is up in the north. And he was taking a shot down, like it's like a two or three tier waterfall. And he was down the bottom and I went down to see what he's doing. And there was this broken off fern in the water. And I'm like, there's no way that ferns, there's no ferns like that around the water's edge. He's clearly put it there, but apparently he hadn't put it there. But I went up and said, come on, mate, you can't be doing that. And I took the fern out the way and he got a little bit narky with me because I took this fern out of his foreground. But to answer Kathy's shot, uh, Kathy's question, it was there. I didn't, I didn't move it there. I didn't put it there. Uh, you can see there's some more up in the background of the shot. You know, that you could have picked a dozen different spots to do that. Yep. But you can see that the light's coming in. It uh, looks like it's coming in from the left-hand side. Um, so, you know, you can sort of, you know, angle your camera to get that light to come across. And like you said, Brens just catch a bit of that light and, and the shape of it as well. But um, oh, no, it's great. And it's, it's great because you've got that separation of the dark rocks with your, with your, with the kelp. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, I, Call me, call me old school or whatever, but I don't add or subtract things in photos. I don't put place things in there. I don't take things out. I try and just find things as they naturally stand. And I think, again, yeah, everyone shoots differently, but that, that's how I've sort of trained myself over the years is to look for things that I don't need to put in or put out, look for that natural scene. Um, to me, I, I get a bit more of a reward if I find something really cool that, that yeah. no one else has taken a photo of and stuff like that. So I've, I've moved things in photos. I'm happy to admit it. Um, yeah. Normally when it just doesn't work. Like I just can't get, there was a photo, I think we've shared a photo previous, um, was a, a, at uh, Wilson's Prom, it's an old boat. And I think I said at the time, I, I dragged the boat up the beach into the composition. You can still right. see the drag marks. It just looks like the fisherman has done it, but I did it because um, it just was, wasn't working for me. In fact, I think I even flipped the boat up the right way. It was upside yeah. down. I flipped it up the right way. You yeah. know, I, I have no qualms whatsoever with manipulating images in the field in terms of yeah. you know throwing a leaf here or like your mate was doing putting a fern there and that sort of stuff yeah. no issue with that at all yeah um but i also understand and really do appreciate when something falls naturally like this has yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that that's really cool when you get lucky like that uh, yeah. and, and and you've obviously taken full advantage of it there okay what's Kay saying went somewhere recently and sunshine was a no-go it was raining but i heard cam in my ears saying look down now and wow, we got some great patterns in the sand instead. I thought she was going to say I placed something in her foreground. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Kay, for saving yeah. me. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that, that's the thing. Like, look down. You know, look down, look up. 
look behind you. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a lot, and and Susie, Susie makes a good point as well. You've got to move stuff when you shoot macro. Well, you do sometimes. Um, macros, yeah. yeah, macro you're working in a lot sort of smaller little area. But yeah, to me, like I, this is the challenge I love doing. I, I, the challenge for me is trying to find these scenes without actually putting them in. Like that's where I get a buzz. Like, oh, shit, I found a really cool spot. Uh, you know, I don't think I've seen that before or, you know, there's a root system, like that old tree we did with the root system. So that, that yeah. to me, my wife, beautiful wife is delivering me another cider. Thank you. Hello, Lisa. So everyone. Um, so yeah, to me, the whole challenge really is, you know, how can I create something that's interesting? Um, you know, and sometimes I'll go places and I'll look around and I'm like, eh, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing that hasn't already been done here or, you know, it's, you know, it's looking all the same or there's no, nothing really important. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, we'll yeah, move absolutely. on. We'll move on yep, to the cool. next one. I like this one. Next. This is a cool. Yeah, one. I, I like this one as well. Um, mm. Not just because I took it, but so this is the third angle of the Point Lonsdale jetty that you're seeing tonight. Um, and yeah, you know, there's an obvious reason why I chose the same subject three different because three completely different photographs. I think of the same exact same subject. So the jetty that we were underneath before, we're now up above. Bird's eye view from a drone is a godsend for landscape photographers as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Agreed. Um, you know, th this sort of thing, this sort of photograph five years ago didn't exist. Um, you, you know, you couldn't, you can't fly a helicopter that low in that area. Um, you know, I've got a pretty good arm, but I don't think I could throw my camera that high. Uh, <laughs> you can't fly a blimp or anything. You know, it's, yeah. it's just drone photography has, has changed everything. Um, and you know, I got out there um, with the drone looking straight down floor. I went, Oh my goodness, look at those patterns in the water! Like, I wouldn't yeah. have even known they were there. Um, yeah. you know, and it really makes for fantastic photography, particularly when you get the, the contrast, this intersection of the jetty that's cutting right through the through the uh, the third of this photo. And surprise, surprise, look where I put it yeah. on the third line. And yeah. now, the rule of thirds, I want to talk about the rule of thirds a little bit. Um, Yes, it exists. Yes, it's a real thing. And yes, it's a real tool that can be used. There you go. Thanks, Cam. He's put a grid over it and look where that jet is. That is the full frame of the yep. drone. That's not cropped, edited anyway. That is the full frame. And it just so happens that I laid it right on the third. Yep. Um, it is definitely something that you pick up really quickly yep. um, when, you're, when you're out shooting landscape photos. Rules are meant to be broken, sure, and not all landscape photos are going to fall into the rule of thirds. No. But it's such a cliched rule, but by geez, it works. It just, for some reason, our brains are wired to accept that that is a good composition yeah. when it's broken up into the, into the rule of thirds, as can put up there the grid. And you can see, you know, the, 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 uh, the tic-tac-toe grids there. Yeah. And it, just, it just worked really, really well with this particular image. Yeah. One thing I hate about this image is the roof of the shelter on the end of the jetty. It's just this big white blob. Nothing mm. I could do about that. that that's, that's there. I, you know, I, so. it's, it's funny you say that because I actually don't mind that. To me, that's, that sort of breaks up the end bit of the wooden jetty bit. Um, I love all the shadows on the, on the jetty. They're really cool. And the people are, yeah. great. People are great for scale. What I would yeah. have loved to see, and surely Photoshop has a way of doing this, I would have loved to see like a big whale shark in that aqua. Just floating around, sort of just, just, yeah, that'd be cool. Around. Yeah, like, or some sort of animal or something like that would have been pretty cool. But yeah, you're 100% right. Drone, drone photography, love it or hate it. Some people hate drones, some people love them, some people are in the middle. But drone photography has definitely brought 
landscape photography to a completely different level, you know, pun intended, because it really does take you to a spot that you just can't get to. Like, unless you've got plenty of cash, like Tom Putt, to go aerial flying every day of the week and shoot down at places, you don't have that kind of money to do that. Then the drone's the next best thing. And you can get some really, really cool aspects and you get to see things that you don't see, such as the water. Like, you don't see that water like that, you know, and, yep. and you know, if, if you look over different lakes or, you know, I've seen some really cool ones over old shipwrecks and things like that, where you get a bird's eye view of the shipwreck and stuff like that. So yeah, um, this is a really good example of how your drone can be used to create beautiful art. And I've got no doubt that this probably sells pretty well, this print, if you do sell it. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, you know, sometimes I, I wish I just had a much bigger gallery space. I've got a tiny little shop. I, I, and it's one of the, it's, this is one of those photos that's sort of been lost over the years that I've got to bring back and put it back up on display because every time I print a big canvas of this and go, it, it lasts a couple of days on the wall. So I've got to do that. Just getting back to the, the roof of the, the shelter on the end of the jetty there. I, I think I just, I just wish it was the, like the color of corrugated iron or maybe even a timber roof. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I can't, I can't get past the fact that it's just this big white. It looks like someone's put a, you know, a wedding marquee or something on the end. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I get, I hear what you're saying as well. It does match the railing of the jetty, which is you know mm. framing the whole jetty, and yeah, so I get it. And and, and look, it works, it sells, it, it's fine. So yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's 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 good. And yeah, everyone's commenting on the color of the water and stuff like that. It's really, it's really cool. And that, again, you just don't see that from the beach. You might see a glimmer of it, but you don't see it um, as well. And I, I also like the yeah. fact that the left hand side of the jetty is a bit rough, so you've got some patterns on the water. And then the right-hand yeah. side of the jetty, you've just got nice smooth water. So you've almost got two different types of bodies of water in the one shot, which I think is pretty cool as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that worked really well. Um, I was going to say something, but I've lost my train of thought. But um, it was something about that image anyway. I'll come back to it. Yeah. Never mind. Cool. <laughs> uh, keep the comments coming, guys, or questions. Uh, that's really good. Um, we've got a couple more to go through. and then Sorry, uh, I remember what I was going to say. Brendan's um, remembered now. It's, yeah, sorry. It's, it's, you know, when you're it's, pushing my age, Cam, you'll get here one day. Yeah, when when quite often when I do these um, bird's eye view shots over water, particularly in this area, I do get the odd comment from people saying, "Oh, the color of the water is not that color." And the first thing I say to them is, "Have you ever been up in a plane over this? Have you got a drone?" Like no, people don't actually understand they've, that they've seen auroras, though. That's right. People don't <laughs> people don't actually understand when you go vertical over water, you take all the glare off the water. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking straight down. So um, this is no polarizer. This is no filter whatsoever. This is just the drone looking straight down. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you do pick up better color that way. Yeah. So uh, it works really well, particularly the Barwon River, where I've got photos looking straight down over the Barwon Heads bridges. Um, the water's really green. It's beautiful, mm. like greens and blues. It's gorgeous. Like yeah. you'd think you're in, in the Sundays, but uh, you're down here in lovely old Victoria. Yeah, we have, we have the similar thing here down in the, the rivers of Tassie and the lakes. You've got the tannin from the button grass. So you get these yep. really brown, golden sort of rivers and people go, oh, you've obviously played around with that a bit. So no, that's, that's real life and you can drink it, which is great. So right, All right, on. let's go with one more image. Yeah, yeah. So this one, it's another forest shop, but I just thought it was a good example of how, you know, if you're not using leading lines as such like, you know, walkways or jetties or you know tessellated pavement lines you can always use streams and roads and things like that so this one is a shot of Rinadina Falls which is buried in the, the sort of north northwest of Tassie in the, in the forests 
Uh, it's about a, I don't know, I think it's about a two-hour walk into here. It's not not a stupid walk, but it's long enough. Um, but I just love the mossy bits in this and, and the waterfall in the background. But again, just trying to put that interest in the foreground for your composition, you know, it'd be easy just to sort of crop out that complete foreground and just have that waterfall and a forest and then maybe one of those rocks. But having the water run through your scene, you know, automatically your eye just follows that stream back up and you get to the really nice waterfall at the back. So this I thought was a good example of how, again, just using that foreground interest to lead you to something that sort of complements it. So you know, a lot of people might get there and, and shoot purely for that waterfall. But to me, it was all about this little cascade in the foreground and the detail on the moss and the little yellow flowers on there and, and things like that. So again, this is one of those ones where, you know, you're not shooting straight out. You're sort of shooting a bit more down at your foreground. So if you're out at landscapes, again, you know, don't be afraid to look down a bit more, especially if you're using a, a super wide angle lens. Just have that, that lens pointing more 45 degree down. And you'll see that your foreground all of a sudden just pops. It just becomes big. It becomes interesting, becomes prominent. And if you've got something really cool in that foreground, then, you know, you're on your way to getting a really nice image. But these are a beautiful waterfall, um, typical Tassie rainforest. Um, and yeah, it actually snows in here. I might go back in here this winter and have a look if we get a nice snow dump. But this, this sort of section on the snow would just add another element to it as well. So when you were doing this composition and setting this up, did you find this composition, I mean, did it just present itself or did you have to really go looking uh, that hard for this shot? Well, this one was actually a bit tricky to get to. Um, it looks like it's relatively on the side of the stream, but I'm actually standing on a rock in the middle of the, of the river. So it was a bit of a balancing act. My tripod's in the river. Um, so I, I, when I first got there, I was just blown away by the waterfall in the forest. So I was just snapping around to the right-hand side getting nice little shots of the waterfall without this interesting foreground. And then I, I sort of just had that conscious thought, I'm like, hang on a sec, I need to get something a bit different. I can't just shoot a waterfall on its own. You know, let, let's see if we can get some interesting foreground going on. So um, so I went and had a look and I thought, well, if I want to get that shot with the river running through the scene, I've got to be technically in the river to do that. So it wasn't a deep stream, but and it wasn't actually running that fast either. It was pretty slow, but um, yeah, just just trying to get something in the foreground a little bit different to what uh, what might be normal. Have you got at hand there what the exposure time that was? Ooh, maybe let me have a look. There you go. It yeah, was I mean uh, it was shot. This is actually shot on a Fuji. So it wasn't an Olympus. Sorry, Susie. Uh, so this is Fuji. So this is at F22 ISO 100 um, using a 23 mil lens on the Fuji, which is about an 18 mil, 35 mil equivalent. And this is 10 seconds. So this is a yep. 10 second shot. Focus point yep. would have been focus point would have been somewhere on this sort of mossy bit here uh, on the yep. foreground. So again, this is something else that we talk about with compositions and your depth of field. And it's probably the one thing that so many people misses. People talk about depth of field and, and you know, your aperture and how that affects things. Um, but your point of focus, where you actually put your focus point is critical uh, because that's where your depth of field technically starts from. So it's also referred to as the hyperfocal distance. Um, there is all these sort of wanky calculations you can do that I learned at university with your, your diameter of your lens and your distance from your sensor and topic and God knows what. But as a rule of thumb for me, I usually put my focus point about a third of the way into my shot. So my focus point is almost on that third line, you know, talking about the rule of thirds. And then just, you know, if I'm using a large aperture, I'm pretty confident that the foreground and background will all fall into focus. But a lot of people just let the camera choose where it focuses and that is a bit of a no-no because the camera will normally focus in the middle of the frame where it's set up to focus. And if you're shooting at F4 or F5.6, then, you know, this foreground is going to be blurry. You're going to miss out on some of that, that detail. So just keep that in mind as well. If you're not sure, look up hyper, hyper focal distance 
and look up, you know, your focus points. You know, you should be able to manually move them around in your camera as well these days. Yep. So, yeah. Um, awesome. Cool. Uh, these now, are Rinodina Falls is the name of these falls. Lovely. Um, now, look, at the risk of, um, you know, going on all night, we will, yeah. we do normally with the live shows, cap them at around the 90 minute to two hour mark, just in case you're wondering when this is all going to end, but um, we will probably get this to about 9, 9.15, something like that, just so you know that is local Eastern it's, it's Daylight Savings Time. It's, a school, or it's a school night, so you know, be careful. <laughs> it is. Um, awesome. That was really cool. That segment was brought to you by Camera and Photo. That's cameraandphoto.com.au. If you want some photos printed, send them my way through our awesome online um, service at cameraandphoto.com.au. We have a little uh, website that you can go to. You click on online prints and we'll do the rest for you. Um, Great Cameron, plug. Great we, plug. Great thank plug. you. We want to talk. We were sort of going to open the um, open the floor up to questions, but we generally find people like to sort of sit back and listen and take yeah. it in rather than fire us questions. Yeah. Um, let's quickly talk a little bit about gear. We um, The OM1 that was released, so yeah. um, Cam being a big Olympus user, uh, I love Olympus as well. I think they do fantastic cameras. Uh, the new OM1 flagship camera um, hit the, uh, well, it hit the airwaves. I don't know whether we've actually got production models yet, but um, we shall uh, see. They're out there. Uh, this little black duck doesn't have one. But um, but I thought we just, we, we had a bit of a chat about the other week, last week, and there were some interesting specs that were leaked um, probably by OM Digital. So for those that don't know, I do a bit of work with Olympus. I use Olympus and a few other brands. I'm a bit of a brand whore sometimes, but I always like going back to my Olympus. And we had a bit of a chat about this one last week. And uh, so it got released actually last week in between episodes. So I thought I'd just quickly breeze over that for those who, who shoot Olympus, uh, who might be interest, interested. Um, I'm running some Olympus days as well, or OM Digital days throughout this year. I'm hoping to have one of the new models with me in the, in the sample kit that we can show people and play around with. But just to give you a brief overview of what it does. Um, so it's called the OM-1. I love that, the fact that it's the OM-1. I've got an OM-1 here, the old film camera. I don't have it on me, Brendan. It's in a cabinet now. I've got my own self, a camera cabinet. Oh, so a sweet little cabinet. Very yeah, nice. so I can't do the old click and snap. But um, so it's still a 20 megapixel camera, which a lot of people went, oh, well, that's, that's not heaps. That's the same as the last two models. But it is what they call a stack sensor. So it will produce uh, slightly better imagery, imagery, mainly because it has about two stops less of noise. Um, and the processor in it as well allows you to do the high res shots where it does the sensor shifting. So you can actually get up to an 80 megapixel uh, shot on it. Uh, so higher ISO, which has always been a little bit of a bugbear for people with Olympus cameras is that doing Astro and things like that, it has a bit more noise than what maybe the, the Canons and the Nikons and Sonys. But, to be honest, I, I haven't seen a huge problem with that myself. Um, so it's the yeah, autofocus has definitely improved as well. Uh, they've got AI tracking for certain objects as well. So it's quite fast with its uh, autofocusing. It can do up to 120 shots in full raw a second, which is nuts. I don't know why you want to do that many shots. But um, but the thing that the, th the two things I like about it as well, they've updated the the EVF. So the EVS, EVF is one of the highest rated EVFs on the on the market now which I think is great. And coming from uh, that last shot we did with the, the waterfall, that was shot on the Fuji GFX 50. And I thought that had one of the best viewfinders I've ever used. It looked like you're looking into a slide box. This one has actually got similar, if not more um, pixels or dots per whatever for the, uh, for the EVF. So 
this is pretty exciting. Um, and again, this stack sensor with less noise um, allows you to do some, you know, different shots at night. I think that's going to be a good thing. Uh, and the other thing as well with the, with the new processor in it, you can do the handheld shots. So if anyone's used the EM3 or the EM1X, I know uh, Craig uses one here. When you're doing a high-res shot, you can actually do a high-res shot handheld for 50 megapixel, but you have to wait. You probably have to wait like five to 10 seconds for it to actually create this, this file to view. Um, from what I've seen of this new OM1, it'll do it within seconds. If not, it's very, very quick. So you can practically go around shooting 80 megapixel tripod shots or 50 megapixel handheld shots um, and, and get them instantly done. So it's pretty exciting. Like I said, I haven't got my hands on it yet, but um, it's weatherproofing is off the charts. It's image stabilizing is class leading again. Um, it's video stuff's pretty good. I don't do much video, but from what I hear, the video stuff's really good as well. So it's exciting. Um, and like I said, I like the fact that it's just called the OM1. So will I buy one? Yeah, I, I might. Um, I'll see. I'll see what happens over the next few weeks. I've still got the EM1 Mark III, which I love. Um, so yeah, but anyone's interested in, in having a look, you can look at all the specs on the Olympus sites. There's some really good reviews going around. And really, I've, it's one thing I was going to mention as well. Like A lot of the reviews you see from people that work for the companies and stuff like that, th this has probably been the first camera release I've seen in many years where the people reviewing them are, actually seem to be being brutally honest about it. Like they're saying, hey, it does this, it's really good, but it doesn't do this as well. Like it seems to be really quite honest reviewing from people who are probably employed by OM Digital as well, but it's refreshing not to just get fed, spoon fed all the good things. Like people are actually saying, you know, especially around the pixels and things like that. So it's interesting, yeah. but yeah, I thought we'd just touch on it after last week. And I think um, one thing that's undersold from the company formerly known as Olympus is the weatherproofing, you did mention it. Um, phenomenal on these things. The, the Olympus can work in sub-zero temperatures in snow. It can work in dust. It can work in, yep. you know, underwater pretty much. Um, yeah. they're, they're amazing cameras for their weatherproofing, uh, as you say, class leading. So if you, find, if you think you want um, a high-end uh, mirrorless SLR and you do plan on doing a fair bit of hiking, trekking, that sort of stuff, um, pretty 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 tough to beat the olympus yeah. om1 and i think as well that that's i think this is what maybe you know they're calling it the wow camera and i must admit after we had our little session last week the specs to me weren't really blowing my socks off but after reading a few reviews and watching it watching a few things i, I think it goes back to exactly what you said like I, i've i've seen these I, I use these cameras out in snow like literally I've done, I do workshops with them and like, and people go, oh, can you come and help me with this camera? We might be in the middle of a snowstorm. I literally just drop my camera into the snow, <clears throat> walk off and help. Everyone's like, what are you doing? Why, why are you dropping your camera in the snow? I'm like, it's fine. It's, it's weatherproof. It takes it all. Mm. I've seen them go into ponds and, and into Dove Lake for minutes underwater and they still work. Um, yes. But for, for a high res professional camera, uh, sorry, high spec professional camera, um, 20 megapixels is fine. I've got pictures that, you know, a meter by a meter and a half blown up, they're fine. Um, the weight of them is incredible. Um, they are really, they're really sort of stepping it up on these other brands to make lighter and better cameras. Um, and I think talking about the artists that formerly known as Olympus, the last thing I'll say on this is that I think their lenses are superb. Um, they are. They, they, they are. are. There's no, there's no argument that no. that's fact. Their yeah. lenses are superb. They're, yeah. they're the sharpest lenses you can buy. The autofocus system is amongst the fastest in the world. Yeah. Um, Olympus have always prided themselves on their optics and they continue to deliver mm, 
yeah. particularly the Zuko lenses, that they're, they're, they're nuts. Yeah. Um, the, the last word on it is, it looks like its street price is going to come in at around $3,300, which yeah. I think is on the high side. It's However, um, you do get what you pay for, and this is their flagship model. So if they made it cheaper, you know, the model that comes in under this is going to be less, you know. Yeah. So it, it's, it's an interesting interesting thing. Three and a half, well, pushing three and a half grand is, is a lot of money um, for it this is. kind of camera, in my opinion, but I still think it's, um, it, it's a good buy. Yeah. They uh, don't even sponsor us. What are we doing? Can we not talk about Olympus anymore? Well, it's better than Canon. The artist formerly known as Canon. Now, Mel, he didn't mean that. Now, <laughs> um, are we... Okay, we're getting pretty close to time, but um, I shot my film. Were you going to talk about that? Oh, we can? Yeah, uh, we can, but I didn't download all the shots, but we can show one. Yeah, can if, if you wouldn't mind. Um, yeah, I so I've got up. the old... So my good mate Cam here uh, sent me a Pentax K1000 uh, towards the end of last year and I have finally loaded it with film and I have finally uh, taken a few shots. This is just one example. It's the very lighthouse that's behind me, but it's... Um, no drop in sky here. No drop in sky here. This is film, folks. Have a look at the juicy goodness that film delivers. Um, man, I love this photo. I love this camera. I mean, you know, there's people in the background. They're going to be there forever. This is not a digital file. They're just there. Um, this photo <laughs> is straight out of camera. The file was sent to me and I'm showing you exactly what I got out of that camera. Um, I, I've fallen back in love with film. And the main reason I have is because, and I was saying this to Cam, when you shoot film, every shot counts. Uh, and I know that sounds silly, but it really does. You start slowing down so much and talk about looking for compositions. It just becomes, oh, it, it, it really drives you to search out the compositions, even to the point where I knew that I had more film for this camera back in my apartment where I was staying at Port Ferry. I did not have any more film with me and I was getting towards the end of the roll and we're at the lighthouse and it was just like, okay, what, what do you got? You know, I was really happy to test myself out. Uh, and as I say, this is one of the photos I got while I was down there, but I pretty much got 23 out of 24 photos that I'm yep. really, really happy with. And I, I think that, uh, that's such the key about film. And not, not, not only does it have a feel that you, you know, you can edit this for hours in Photoshop or Lightroom and you might get close to that film. You might be able to press a preset and get similar sort of film, but you can't get film unless you're shooting film. And you, can, you look at that any day of the week and that's a film shot. And I love the fact that the colours are a little bit less saturated. You know, the depth of field in that foreground is just beautiful. Um, I love I love film. And I encourage people, if you've got film cameras there, just go out and shoot. Even, even if you come back with one shot out of 24, at least you've had a bit of fun. And, but it really does want to make you slow down and take your time and set up every shot. You know, you're always checking the side of the frame to make sure you haven't stuffed it up because you don't get another chance. And that's that's the beauty of it. So I think it looks great. And... and I apologise I didn't download the rest of them for the episode, but we'll we'll put them up on the Facebook page, the rest of the shots that you sent to me, because they all look great. Um, and if you're getting 23 out of 24 shots, then, mate, you're doing well. That's uh, it's a good uh, effort. I, I don't think I've ever achieved such a high strike rate with a roll of film, literally 23 out of 24. And the yeah. one that didn't work, there was a was a weird double exposure of my Labrador and, and some flowers. <laughs> it was really bizarre sort of crossover of... Um, yeah. two images because i was loading the film um yeah it worked really well loved it absolutely love it highly recommend 
if you shoot now with digital and you shoot a lot of land, just take photos. Yeah. Dig out your old film camera, dig it out, chuck some new batteries in it, put in a roll of film and and have fun. It's it's awesome. To give you an idea, I I did it. I I took my Olympus out, my little film camera out over uh, yesterday for my birthday. Went down to Salamanca and just thought I'll take some slide film down and shoot it off. And it's just, it's just great. You know, funnily enough, I was taking a photo of, one of my kids or something like that, I can't remember what it was, and I actually held the camera out and I said, look, I actually went to look through a screen on the back of the camera. I'm like, oh, this one doesn't have a screen. It's i got to do it properly. So it actually makes you think and actually shoot differently, but I actually held it out there looking for a screen. But I went and actually, I was buying another lens for one of my little film cameras here. Um, but you can actually get online. For example, the OM-1, the classic Olympus OM-1 camera, not the new one, with a 50mm 1.8 lens, you can pick one of them up in really good condition for three, $400, you know, mint condition as almost as new. Um, so something like that is a great little camera to have. Um, and, you know, highly recommend people if you've got the time and, and the patience to go and shoot some film. And it's actually bucketing down rain outside here. I don't know if you can hear it. Wow. Send some in a way. It's coming in sideways. Jeez, it's starting to sound like a hurricane down here. Um, wow. You're yeah. a bit of weather. We are coming a bit of weather, but um, yeah, I, I think they're great. I'll, I'll put the rest of the photos up on the Facebook page. If you don't already follow us on the Facebook page, Down South Photo Show on Facebook, look us up. Uh, we can get that up. But that, I like that. That's cool. That is, I like the old Brilliantly screen. done. Um, we are running the hashtag shoot one length through February. Um, we have got a few images, which we're just going to pretty quickly pop up on the screen from there our good go. friend Mal, who has taken part in this go. challenge uh, go back, to shoot go one share. length. I'm working. Sorry, I'm, I'm pressing buttons everywhere. You're all over it, mate. You're, you're, so, you're doing the back end beautifully. Mel, um, I, I forgot what focal length you shot this at. I'm going to say 50 mil or 35 mil. He'll he'll comment. Come on, Mel. What, yeah. what focal length? Wow, what a great subject. Yeah, it is pretty cool, That's isn't awesome. it? It's like an old boat. Yeah. Um, so this shipwreck. is the first first one shooting at one length. Now, actually, I don't think I can. No, I can't say on the stats what it is, but I'm sure Mel will. Uh, update us soon and yep. uh here's another one it's got it's got the canola yeah, fields in the background cool. that's pretty cool as well um that's pretty cool that, that's an interesting foreground it's got the big log there and i like the yellow in the background it's pretty cool drone it's got a beat right. it shot it shot this with drone it, it's got a beat and we can dance to it um i really like the reflections in that that's really yeah. cool good texture in the water um if I was to be picky, which I will be, um, I probably I probably would have even shallowed out the depth of field a little bit. Yeah. But um, but I still like it. It's it's very, very cool. Um, it's a drone. Yeah. Because he's got one length, Cam. I don't know who suggested that idea, but gee, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's Genius. and this is this is the last one as well. Now that's a cool sky. Did you drop that one in, Mel? Or um I reckon that one was there. No, I've seen that one in. No, no, that's an Adobe stock image. I've seen it. <laughs> Sorry, Mel, you can't get one past us, mate. Yeah, you tried the drop skies in. One got a drop <laughs> sky expert, but that's uh, that that challenge still goes for another nine days or eight days. I don't know. Leap year, not a leap year. Um, so if you've still got some shots, you, the idea was to shoot them all as one focal length, so fifty mil, thirty mil, thirty-five mil, two hundred mil, whatever it might be. Uh, and then you can share them on our, our Facebook page as well. But it was all about just getting you to start shooting at just one focal length, just looking at something at one focal length where you can't go and change lens or zoom in or zoom out. And uh, sometimes that makes you think a bit, bit more outside the box. So good job, Mel. I like it. Love it. 
All right, good stuff. Um, so I think we might uh, wrap the show up there. Yeah. Um, what do you got coming up this week, Cam? Uh, probably more gardening, but if it's raining, I won't be doing anything. Um, hey, that's a win. That's a win. So uh, I have a Tarkine workshop that's sold out that starts next month. Um, so the next week, um, probably going to start with looking to update our gallery out at Richmond. We're moving into autumn. So we currently have 20% off all our printed framed images on the walls there. So if you're up to after any something artwork for your house, um, you can buy online if you know what you're looking for uh, and we can post it out uh, Australia-wide. But I think I'll start having a look through my autumn shots and start getting an idea of what I want to frame up for the next season for the gallery. Um, but apart from that, probably not a, a great deal. Although you've inspired me again with those film shots. Uh, you sent me a packet of, uh, 120 film the the portrait for my Hasselblad so I'm going to go take maybe take the Hasselblad out this week and shoot off film but you don't process 120 do you? I don't process 120 sorry oh, okay. uh, I can do 35 mil but not 120 sorry yeah, that's okay. my bad yeah um what have you got I've going got on something well I've got something interesting coming up um in can, the you read, can you read the show can you read the show notes word for word <laughs> uh, I can't read it word for word I don't think we might not last too long on yeah. YouTube if I read it word for word <laughs> I am giving a talk at a retirement village which I'm stoked to do it's gonna be awesome um we're going to talk a lot about the history of film we're also going to talk I'm going to give a talk about um what got me into photography. I'm also going to get to show off a lot of my photos. So um, looking forward yeah, to doing that. So I've got a bit of prep work to do for that. Yes. Um, I am also, I've been very, very lucky to sell a big stack of my canvas prints to a couple of local businesses that are completely redecorating their, nice. um, their doctor surgeries. Cool. Um, with uh, 20 plus of my canvases. So yeah. I'm going to have sore forearms from stretching all this canvas this week. That will be yeah. me. How, how, um, how good is that though? That that's something. That's a story I like to hear. That local businesses are actually acquiring work from local artists. So I think that's great. Like they could have easily just gone online to say you know, camblakephotography.com.au and picked a yes. few things off there, but they've gone yeah. somewhere local. And I think that's I think that's awesome. So good on them for doing that and supporting you. Yeah, no, it was it was it was excellent. It was a really good score. Um, and the guy just loves his photography. He loves landscape photography. Uh, so that was a that was a win to be able to yeah. do that. And yeah. it gets to show off my photos. And people will He's another, see them. That's another, the main thing. People another, get to see my photos. Another workshop participant for the Cam and Brendan workshop. Yes, absolutely. I like mm. it. Well, um, that's good. So next episode is episode 31, which would follow from episode 30 naturally. Um, we may have our special guest or are we still a week we're, or so away from that? We're still waiting. Um, we're waiting. He's on. He's in a different hemisphere to us. So we're just waiting on okay. hearing back from we're him. Patient. I don't know if anyone's guessed who it is yet. I don't know if anyone knows in the comments if you've been watching, but uh, he had to scoot away to do a, another little trip to Zion National Park. But uh, I might shoot him an email during the week. We'll get it pre. We'll probably pre-record it, I imagine. And uh, yeah, this, we, we we will not walk the tightrope of live. With no, it's just not going to work. No, and we've got to we've got to probably scratch up on our interview skills. Um, <laughs> be, being from the northern hemisphere, I don't know if you'll understand our sense of humour down here in the down south photo show. But some of the things I've seen on Twitter and and social media from him, I think he'll slot in quite nicely. So. Yes, um, yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, look, thanks for tuning in on a live show, everyone. Thanks for giving up your Sunday night to listen to us prattle on about our photography. We hope you've appreciated it. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we love 
doing them. So as I say, we, we do plan on making this a regular monthly live show. Uh, may not always be a Sunday night, but we'll give you plenty of yep. notice when we're going to be doing them. So, um, and, and one of the one of the guests, Kathy, asked if we would be interested in critiquing viewer shots. So for that, I was thinking the next live broadcast we do, we might put a shout out the week before and you know maybe grab you know half a dozen shots from people and you know we can go through and have a bit of a chat about what we like or don't like. Absolutely, and I want how can i put this i want to let people know that when we are looking at your images we're not going to pull any punches we will tell you and if you're happy to put your photo up we, we will give you a dead honest critique of the photos um I won't. I'll, be, so, I'll, I'll, I'll be nice i'll just be you know, i've learned my lesson yeah i don't think it will be um i i i just think it's way more important to to have we're not going to be assholes we're going to be you know oh, we might we're gonna, <laughs> if there's you know, a if there's a red jacket in there I, I will be an asshole i can tell you right it now. would be constructive if we do go down that path it will certainly be very very constructive yeah. so uh yeah. kathy i think you asked the question look absolutely yeah. we'd, we'd, we'd have to happily do that for you that'd be no problems at all yeah um all right thank you Cam, have you we done? Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how I end the end the stream without cutting us. Oh, we're doing we're going through this again. <laughs> <laughs> it says end stream on my screen, so I, I think last time I cut us off early. So uh, I've got nothing. Um, again, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, this has been a lot of fun again. Um, love uh, love the banter and the, the chatting and, and the questions as well. Um, yeah, an hour and a half. If we go any longer, I think we'll all start snoozing off. But um, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, Susie, Kathy, Jesse, Steve. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the comments through the night. Really, who's, it, uh, who's this Mel? Who's this Mel, Mel guy? He, I don't know who he is. <laughs> nah, that was excellent. So, thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning into episode thirty of the Down South Photo Show. We will have this up as a podcast in the next day or two. If you want to, for some bizarre reason, relive it, but you can. <laughs> uh, we'll do that for you. And we will be back with a regular show of the Down South Photo Show next week. Thanks, guys. Mm, Cheers. Thanks. Adios.